guys. This is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Welcome, everyone, to Your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. We are excited to have our podcast now on YouTube. So check us out there and be sure to like this video and subscribe to our channel. Now, today, we are continuing our conversation on Type 8s, the passionate protectors, by interviewing a panel of four, yes, four Type 8s. In this episode, you'll see that Type 8s share the same core motivations and EIP parts, but you can't put all type eights in the same box. Each person has their unique story and set of circumstances that cause their EIP parts to show up in surprisingly different ways. Well, before we introduce our guests, if you're hearing uh, EIP and you don't know what we're talking about, that's perfectly fine. So Beth, why don't you give us, first of all, just give us a brief description of what is EIP. Yeah, well, in the Bible, God focuses on our heart condition. And the Enneagram brings us awareness and the clarity we need on where our heart is aligned. Is our heart misaligned or is it aligned with the truth of the gospel at any given moment? And we use EIP, the Enneagram internal profile, to help us understand the various parts of our heart. Now, your main type has two parts, the misaligned wounded child and the gospel-led beloved child. Your connecting types comprise of four other parts, and these are the two wings that you have and the two Enneagram paths. Now, each can show up in either aligned or misaligned ways, depending on whether your wounded child or beloved child is active and leading. Now, by using EIP, you can become aware of your current heart condition, and when your wounded child is trying to lead, it will bring less healthy tendencies, which negatively impacts you and your relationships, as we all recognize day in and day out. Now, we can use this awareness to surrender, depend, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us so that our beloved child can show up and lead the way. And when your beloved child does lead all your parts back into gospel truth, you will see a healthy overflow of your heart represented through the fruits of the Spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, today on the show, we have a several different guests. Now, this is really awesome because these are some of the greatest eights that we know. Uh, definitely in the top 10 list because we've got a few <laughs> on our team that are pretty epic. Um, so first of all is Electra Buford. Uh, Electra's tagline in life is go, love, give, and it's curated with a better together way of living. She has used the Enneagram as a tool to connect people to a better understanding of themselves and others with grace and love. Uh, Electra, we're so grateful to have you with us. Thanks for Welcome. having me. Love being here. Next is, uh, yeah, next is Lisa Whittle. Now, Lisa's been on the podcast before. Uh, I think it was back last November, but Lisa is the best-selling author of eight books and several Bible studies. Uh, she is a sought-out Bible teacher for her wit and bold bottom-line approach. If that's not an eight way yes. of describing an author, uh, I can't think of a let's better go. one. Uh, I can't believe you just said, let's go. I don't know if I've ever heard you say that before. I, think I just channeled our son. <laughs> She's around eights and all of a sudden, dude, let's go. I do. I love the energy. It's like, <laughs> yes. So exciting. What is that? 
She's a wife, mom, lover of laughter, good food, and the Bible, and a self-professed feisty work in progress. <laughs> you can find her on Facebook um, uh, at Lisa Whittle. Follow her on Instagram at Lisa Whittle and Twitter as well, Lisa R. Whittle. Visit her ministry community at lisawhittle.com. Lisa, we are so glad you're here yes, with us. Yes, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yeah. Yes, great. And kudos to you for reading that very long bio. <laughs> that's great uh, well it, it's illustrative of what we're going to be talking about today so mm-hmm. it was a, a perfect bio for it yes. next is uh, shanna bresnahan uh, shanna is the community strategist behind many of the seven and eight figure brands that we all know and love she's worked with industry leaders such as Stu mclaren jennifer allwood and Corinne Crabtree to help guide their community strategy and empower their community teams. As the founder of Community Cultivated, Shanna helps online businesses, uh, business owners maximize their profit and multiply their impact through community consulting, training, and support. So if you're ready to level up your community, go over to Shanna Lynn, L-Y-N-N dot com. Shannon, we are so grateful you are here. We just had dinner together uh, here this last yeah. week, and I mean, an epic night together. We are so thankful to have you on the podcast as well. Yeah, it was so fun. I haven't been out that late in a long time, so <laughs> <laughs> it was great. That's yeah. awesome. But uh, the beauty of it was seeing one of our Type 8 uh, chief operations officer, uh, as well as seeing you go at it and thinking creatively about communities and helping people to connect, but not so much just about the money, but the kind of relationships and transformations that community bring, which is what I love about what you do, uh, particularly as an aide as you step in the gap for people. So grateful to have you with us. Well, yeah, thanks for one. having me. So Brendan Wilson hails from South Africa and now pastors a thriving multi-site church in New Jersey called Fusion Church. Now, he's married to Danielle, and both of them are dear friends of mine and have both pastored churches in Long Island, New York, Phoenix, Arizona, and now in New Jersey, along with many robust entrepreneurial adventures, of course, uh, eight and a three Nothing less I would expect. It's fun hearing that list, Brennan, of where, where you've pastored. I remember a pastor mentor once saying, like, Jeff, we are a nomadic tribe. Yeah. And it, it's so true. Like, we can pastor anywhere. Just put us Let's in a go. setting and just mm-hmm. see what happens. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, Brennan has a passion for helping others find their true purpose and destiny in life through both biblical and life application principles. He frequently uses the Enneagram to help guide people in his coaching environments to great self-awareness. Now, you can find him online at Brendan Wilson on Instagram and fusionchurch.cc. Well, thank you guys so much for coming today. We are thrilled for you guys to be a part of this conversation because it's going to bless and help so many um, along with us. So, Okay, now I'm going to remind the audience of some key elements of the Type 8, and then after I'm done with that, I would love to hear from you guys, Type 8s here, um, about what grabbed your attention and why. So Type 8s, um, you guys engage in life with confident intensity, strength, and determination to make things happen. They want to be present with themselves and have a strong, self-assured, and independent um, confidence that goes before them. And they want to make sure that they're not going to be harmed. But beneath these layers of kind of tough armor is a tender heart. They desire for someone bigger and stronger than them to protect them. 
so that they can relinquish this role of vigilant protector and remove their armor to reveal their true, gentle, and caring side. Now, the type 8's core fear is being powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice. And their core desire is to protect themselves and those in their small inner circle. Now, the type 8's core weakness is excess. And this is where they're constantly desiring intensity, control, and power, and pushing themselves willfully on life and people to get what they want. They have a core longing, a message their heart longs to hear. And this is where they long to hear you will not be betrayed. Now, their focus of attention is taking control so that they can protect themselves and others from being manipulated and harmed. Now, type 8s have many amazing strengths. They are independent, self-confident, and determined. And they have a take-charge attitude and meet challenges head on. They are courageous, honest, and straightforward all the time. You don't have to guess what a type 8 is thinking. They will use their strengths to support, empower, and protect people that are closest to them. Now, type 8s have these strengths, but they can become weaknesses and liabilities. Their straightforward, honest, and blunt communication can come across as mean and intimidating at times. And they can even be restless and impatient and perceive others to be incompetent or even slow. They also have, a, they put a lot of pressure on themselves to make things happen. Now, they can become angry when rules are ignored or others aren't doing the right thing and following the lead. And they can feel unappreciated when people do not see the hard work they put in to protect them. Now, however, a type eight at their best embraces generosity and mercy, and they know that God protects, provides, and never betrays or forsakes them. And they can balance their courage and strength with a gentle and humble heart and plow a path for justice for others. Now, what's one thing that I described that really sticks out to you guys the most? We'd love to hear your insights. All of it. Just the engaging life with um, confident intensity. And Beth, I just love your image of the snowplow because I'm actually in the snow right this minute. It's dumping snow where I am. And seeing a snowplow clear the path for people to drive on the roads and how important that is. And yet in our, in our woundedness, we can knock people out of the way, but in our, in our strengths, we can really um, make a way for people uh, to do their, their, their thing they're called to. So I love that. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90-minute sessions, 
and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Absolutely. Well, you know, Electra, we had the privilege of spending an evening at your home uh, for your birthday. And I not only did that have to be one of the most hospitable experiences that we've ever had, but you brought an element of both fun, creativity, and beauty to this evening. Like, I, I just thought, like, as an experience, like, this is an eight at their best. I am bringing things that have helped to transform my life, and I've created a safe place for people to relax, to have fun, and also to learn some things. And so I, I am just so thankful for having that kind of experience with you, and particularly uh, as a female thank eight. You. So thank, thank you. you so and much. Thanks for giving us uh, words to help describe what we're feeling on the inside as eights. That's okay. Oh, that's good. All right. Who else? Yeah, I would say, you know, I think Beth, you outlined that so well that, you know, we, we, as eights take challenges head on. And, uh, I, I thrive in that probably pastoring a church in New Jersey is why I'm there, you know, moving from growing up (laughs) in Southern Africa, every Southern African country, you know, multiple civil wars to like, let's go, you know, made for this. However, what really spoke to me and what you said is that we can be like straight shooters to the demise of other people. And, uh, and so just so excited for how you're kind of unrolling a new thought process, uh, for us to find greater clarity and leadership and working alongside others. Really excited for this podcast. Yeah. Mm. So Brittany, I'm just curious, this is just something very brief. I just thought of, but you have pastored in a, in a variety of different places. It, have you found your eightness being more received in some places more than others? Yeah, what a, what a great question. So yeah, Long Island was first in 2000. So 9-11, I pastored through that season. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, Enneagram 8s kind of stand up and, you know, can step forward in those seasons. Uh, Phoenix was a little different, uh, but a great season too. And I think uh, relocating back to uh, the Northeast, uh, New Jersey, uh, New Jerseyans are straight shooters, correct? So I love it. And, uh, <laughs> right. you know, it's, uh, a, however, I get Fun. myself in trouble because they want to street, shoot straight, but can they take it straight? So, uh, right. <laughs> yes. that's the story I'm sure of all your yeah. lives, right? <laughs> oh, my, yes. oh, that's great. Well, fantastic. Well, while we move on, we're going to start getting into the idea of EIP. So let's begin by adding some of the parts of your Enneagram internal profile to this conversation. Uh, because EIP is brand new, we sent you guys some prep work to do before the show. So hopefully you have some idea of what we're uh, mm-hmm. getting at. Uh, this is the first time we've interviewed guests using EIP, but type eights are always up for the challenge. So we're thrilled to have you guys up uh, to bat first. Yeah, they're going to um, plow a path for us. That's right. They're going <laughs> to plow a path. Man, that's a lot of peas. Um with EIP, man, we're just keep going with them. We we can think of the EIP parts as family members. You might think of them as team members. Uh, you might think of them. Um, it you know, there's just so many different ways, the metaphors that we can use about understanding these various parts of our hearts, and we want to uh, give you the freedom to be able to, to identify them in that way. So I have team mem- team meetings every morning uh, with uh, the various parts of my heart. 
Well, in every family, each member has their role and sometimes expressed in healthier ways than others. Um, but everyone has a role. Everyone has influence and everyone has a gift to bring. In the same way, your EIP shines a light on the unique parts of your heart and reveals how they interpret and interact with the world. So I'd like to go back to the core fear of the type 8, which is being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice. There is a part of our heart that, as a child, experienced harm or betrayal as a type 8, or maybe even saw this occur to someone close to you. So you put on the strong armor to protect this tender part of your heart from ever being vulnerable again. From the outside, this can look like becoming an independent adult early on and or overwhelming your authority figures with your strong will and determination. But what of those behaviors what what those behaviors are protecting is the wounded child. I wonder if any of you can share some a story or two from your childhood that reveals that wounded part child part of your heart. Or if you can't think of a specific moment, can you describe what the what feelings arise when your wounded child is making itself known to you today? Jeff, I can think of something that relates to myself, but then also relates to my feelings about protecting people I love. Um, you know, I think as it relates to me, probably the first time I can remember feeling like, um, wow, someone could violate my trust was when I was younger, elementary school age, oh. he hearing um, my best friends talking about me on the playground. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the last time I was on here, I shared a playground story. So the playground obviously <laughs> has some relevance here. I always yeah. feel like I'm in therapy when I'm here. So, um, <laughs> but, but in a good way, because I think this is important. It really is. Um, you know, I, I remember that feeling of I love you. Why would you betray mm -hmm. me? You know, why would you talk mm -hmm. about me when I'm your best friend? I would never allow someone else to talk about you. So I think that that for me uh, continued to carry on into female relationships, um, certainly. And then I also think, you know, being a pastor's daughter, uh, I can remember from an early time hearing congregants who would both, you know, I could overhear them praising my father and then I could overhear comments in passing mm -hmm. that might be negative about my father. And um, I remember when he died, I wrote this piece um, about how I was, how the Lord had really redeemed that in a way because um, all these people came out of the woodwork to love me. And I realized that a lot of my life um, I thought, wow, you know, um, I felt like they didn't love my father, so they couldn't possibly love me. And so it was a complication with the church for many years. So I think there's a lot that's tied in there with trust, love, betrayal. Um, and inside, it's that, that's t it's that tenderness because we think we'd be the best friend you ever had if yeah. you only would choose us, you know? Oh, I totally get that. You know, one interesting thing that uh, as our listeners are starting to think through their own EIP one of the ways in which Beth and I have come to the various names to be able to identify what we're experiencing in the moment is associating it with a memory. And so there, like it, it could be a way both for you and your spouse or your team members to say, you know what, there's a part of me and this part of me has been with me since playground Lisa 
uh, was, you know, just playing and wondering, like, I, I can be your most loyal friend. Um, why would you betray me in this particular way? And so it's just kind of an idea. There's You don't have to name uh, the various parts and the ways that Beth and I have, but it, that is a way is to realize, oh, I'm feeling some of the same feelings that I had whenever this happened way back in the playground or whenever I was a little girl listening to people talk about my father in particular ways. Lisa, thank you so much for that. That is super helpful. Is there anyone else who'd like to comment on their wounded child? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to share. And I love Lisa. Thanks for sharing that. I have four kids age one to 21. And I feel the energy that you talked about whenever that happens. When I feel like one of my kids is being left out of something, I feel that same energy that you're just mentioning. But um, this has been something that I've been working on myself a lot, trying to be able to unlock more of my vulnerable side, which has been on lockdown for so long. And in doing that work, there's really two things that have come up for me in my childhood. And one was sort of a recurring theme of crying as a sign mm-hmm. of weakness. You know, when I was a child and, um, you know, I would cry about something when I was younger, I, I would be sent to my room in embarrassment, even as a little kid, you know, sometimes even made fun of for crying. And so I just learned that that was not okay. And then when I was 13, my family went through a series of, of pretty tragic events. You know, my my dad ended up going to jail. My sister ended up pregnant at 16 and soon walked out on that baby, which inevitably created a lot of brokenness in my home. And I took this stance of responsibility, right? I am responsible for taking care of my mom, this baby, my sister, um, and in that, having been taught that vulnerability and crying wasn't okay, I, I developed this really strong core belief of I'm responsible. And if I'm responsible, there is no room for vulnerability. There is no room for tears. There is no room for weakness. And that was validated by the people around me. And I'm sure as fellow Enneagram 8s, you've probably heard this, like, you're so strong. You're so strong. And what that does is it just sort of validates that um, – we pride, we take pride in you because you are not vulnerable, weak, uh, crying, hurt, these things. So as an adult, it's just been really hard for me to unlock that wounded child part of myself, even with my my husband, to let him in when I'm sort of going through something in my life that's triggering back to that woundedness. It's been difficult for me to unlock that and even having to like relearn how to cry in a way and give myself permission to do that and, and get rid of that core belief of this is a sign of weakness. Well, Shannon, that, that is so helpful as it relates to, because these parts of us, we know that they, they serve both kind of noble and ignoble purposes in our life or healthy and unhealthy dynamics in our life that this, part that comes in online as childhood becomes a liability potentially and later on in life. But I, it was interesting to see how you felt related to your kids on the program or uh, on the playground, because it's almost like you're, you're seeking it out. Even in the communities uh, with your particular career and helping community engagement, there's still this sense to where it's, it's a part of your calling. It was a gifting that mm-hmm. was there all along. And that is now being used to create safe places for people. And as I think of you, Shannon, I mean, I, that you're always the navigate. You're, I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
you're always there for your kids and your family. And what is that you you, you bring up um, often, Jeff, is what Dan Allender said about you know some of our the tragedies tragedies that we go through. Well, yeah, and 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 his idea was, and we were using uh, strength finders at the time. This was in some training that I did with uh, Dr. Allender. But the idea is that these strengths were the thing that we relied on when we faced tragedy. And But in adulthood, these strengths, we approach them with ambivalence. We both love them and we hate them. We hate them because that's the tools that we use to survive, and we don't want to have to do that. At the same time, we love them, just like Shanna just said, you're so strong. I can count on you to get this done but they may not understand where that came from. That came from sorrow. And so even as we live out our sense of calling, which, and and this is the beauty of how calling works for us as followers of Jesus, is that we even at our best, we still need Jesus. We still need him to say, like, keep going, I am for you. Yeah, so Jeff, one of the things that I teach on the community side of things is my four pillars. And one of those pillars is connection. And what I tell people all the time is they come to me saying my community has a connection problem. And what I tell them is your community actually has a safety problem because safety has to precede connection in all things. And so I think as an eight, that's something that's really important to me is that safety because I didn't have that as a kid. And you're right. A lot of people don't recognize that when you come across as this strong individual and this advocate, it's because sometimes you needed to be advocated for when you were younger and you weren't. And so now you want to be that advocate for others. That's so good. What an excellent example for Nate. Yeah. Thanks guys for sharing about your wounded child part. Cause I know, especially for type eights, vulnerability is not easy. Um, it's actually one of the hardest things for the type eight, but let's like, take a next step and let's talk about the um, core longing that you guys have, which is to hear that you will not be betrayed. Now, Jesus uniquely speaks the gospel message to types eight fully and satisfying their core longing, because even though you are weak, he is strong, protective, and completed what he set out to accomplish. You have a true advocate and provider that you can trust in because Jesus will not betray nor forsake you. Type eights can rest in his power and strength. Now, because you're human and living in a fallen world, it's hard to live in this truth every moment of every day, but there is a part of your heart that does, and that's the beloved child. And you're going to recognize when your beloved child is leading the rest of your heart because it is spirit-led. And when you're walking through one of life's valleys, this part of your heart reminds you how the story ultimately ends. Now, the beloved child finds joy and peace in God's redemption plan for you and all of creation. It knows that who you are and whose you are. And as type eights, I would love to hear if there's any particular place or activity that helps you to get connected with your beloved child part. I, I'd say that just the the EIP giving language to slowing down as an eight to slow down and even observe in general um, is super, super helpful. And I think for, for me, re- reminding myself of my identity in Christ and living out of that instead of my story of who I think I need to be or who I was um, kind of taught to be as, a, as an eight and living with strength and living with um, passion and purpose versus 
leaning on the Lord for his strength um, in whatever situation that I face. So for me, getting away and getting to the mountains and just soaking things in, the sights, the smells, um, resting, not having to continually be doing, but just being, I think, as an aid mm. is where I find my my peace from the Lord. Well, that's really helpful. So do you think, what was that intentional? So you, you enjoy vacationing um, in the mountains. Was, was that something that you were aware of before that you realized that there's a certain part of you that was being embodied in the mountains that wasn't whenever uh, you were at your other home? Absolutely. Growing up, um, part of my story is my parents separated and my mom and I moved to New Mexico. And so as a little girl, I had part the mountains as part of my story. And it was kind of this safe, beautiful place for me. And so now as an adult, looking back on that, it's still that safe, beautiful place for me that, that kind of nurtures that little girl um, that's, that's within. So that's amazing because that's one of the strategies by which we learn to lead the various parts of our hearts is when we recognize that there's some kind of activating memory sound smell that helps us to kind of come our our brain to kind of come online that i'm not in that situation anymore i'm actually in a new situation now Mm -hmm. and being in a setting like that oh i that well, how inspiring for Nate to realize not only is it just pausing, but it's also kind of trying to encapsulate an experience so that your heart and mind can rest. That's awesome, Electra. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's such a great question of how do we connect to our beloved child? I think, Beth, I maybe go back to when we connected and, you know, had some Zooms back uh, a while ago as an Enneagram 8 guy. You know, I've got uh, oldest son and three girls, and there's an incredible equilibrium that comes when I get on the floor with my three girls, and I have a, a two younger girls. And I'm telling you what, every bit of intensity and you know having to think ahead and think around the corner, and you know, not like you think who's betraying you next, but literally, you know, what does that look like? Because that's a lot of my story growing up and being abandoned and kind of dropped off. And uh, it's amazing, my my two little girls that are now four and seven kind of just bring that equilibrium because they really don't care about what are we conquering? What are we getting done? Where's the energy? It's just like, dad, we want to love on you for who you are. And that beloved child, just like, it's just like a flower just begins to open. And uh, just for me, very spiritual being able to connect with it. I, I think every eight guy needs some girls in his life to keep him centered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's really phenomenal is most eights have a really um, soft, endearing part for either animals or children. It really brings out this kind of innocent, tender part of their heart like no other. Now, I wouldn't say across the board, but that's actually genuinely pretty true for most so no i think i think um, it's good we, we got chickens and bunnies and dogs so uh we got a little farm going on <laughs> yeah Keeps me busy and scented. yeah oh that's so fun when i can think of all kinds of different circumstances where our kids have stared right at my sickness and named it and moved towards me with love and mm-hmm. it is disturbing and exposing and yet incredibly redemptive as if God made them 
to communicate his love for me as an instrument of his love and his grace. So they, um, Beth, yeah, Beth does that as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, <laughs> I don't want to say it's just my kids, but Beth does it as well. As if I got to qualify that. Oh, you know why I said that? Um, well, fantastic. So now we're going to bring in the other various connecting uh, parts of your Enneagram internal profile. And we'll start with the wings, which for the type eight are the type seven and type nine. Now, you oftentimes it's referred to that in regards to wings, people refer to themselves, well, I'm an eight with a seven wing or I'm an eight with a nine wing. And we're sort of moving away from that because the wings are never intended to be subtypes. They were always intended to be parts of every type. So an eight has both wings. They just may use one in different ways to varying degrees. Uh, well, here are some examples of when your seven uh, wing, when it shows up and is activated. You're generally very confident and more intense and demanding. You treat everyone the same at work and at home. And you insist on others being direct, quick, and assertive. A misaligned seven wing tries to protect your wounded child by focusing your attention on gaining power and control. You'll be more impatient, demanding, impulsive, and lack compassion for how others feel in relationship to you. But when your beloved child is leading your seven wing, you'll feel more joy, excitement, energy, tenacity, and perseverance. You'll have more fun with others and know how to use your strength to help underdogs. So I'd like to ask you all, in what circumstances do you find that your seven wing shows up? Let's look at this part from two perspectives. Uh, How does it show up when it's working on behalf of your wounded child in a protective way? And when does it show up as a strength living from your beloved self? I love this question because, um, you know, I was discussing this with my husband, Casey, who you all know, who's a, a type nine. And he's like, yeah, la- like last week, you know, and uh, <laughs> I was uh, all in the zone on this deadline for work. Um, lots of exciting things happening with business right now that I'm just moving forward with and absolutely loving and energized by and passionate by. And we uh, work from home together. We homeschool at home together. So inevitably, (laughs) work overflows into everything that we do. And uh, last week, one of our kids started to feel sick, and then my husband started to feel sick. And heaven forbid, he feels sick when I am moving forward in work and on deadline with something. I mean, there was like no patience, no compassion. Like I just looked at him and I was like, you cannot be sick right now. This cannot happen. (laughs) And he's laying in bed like, you know, can I get some soup or a cough drop or something? But uh, (laughs) it's so funny because I really, I just realized like, how that is not how I want to treat my husband, but I was so, I was just blind. Like you talk about these blind spots. I was so focused on the work goal and so excited about the work goal, which is a good thing that I was totally blind to how my husband was getting in the way of that, which leads to my fear. Like I have a childhood fear around financial insecurity, financial insecurity Mm -hmm. and responsibility, right? So feeling responsible for our family's income Mm -hmm. and, that fear came out on him, like there is no space for you to be sick mm. right now. And where do you find, Shanna, that that comes out, like whenever you're a, a more fuller self, spirit-led self, that same kind of energy 
but now redirected in a different oh, way. Oh, it's the it's the fun side of me, the adventure side of me, the side that you guys know. I think I uh, almost bought an RV a few weeks ago, like wanting to take <laughs> the family away. Um, you know, just being playful with my kids. It was we had a lot of rain uh, last week here in Nashville, and my kids and I just went outside and played in the rain and splashed in puddles, and just being out there barefoot with them and creating those kinds of memories. Uh, that is the the seven that I feel like I lean into a lot and want to lean into a lot more. Mm, that's so good. Who else? I can certainly relate to everything she's saying. Um, I, we've probably had that exact scenario happen in my house, actually with my husband and the cough drop and all of that. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I was thinking when, when is my best seven self? Probably Disney world. Uh, it brings mm. out the, the, the seven in me like none other. And I always want to go like, so I think there's a part of me that longs for that lightness and I am truly light there. You know, I have a blast there and I can, and my kids, I mean, I'm silly with my kids. I think I'm my best seven self with my kids. Um, I'm a weird mom and proud of it. And they, they love that. Um, I was thinking for me, I think the way that I would frame it when I'm kind of my worst seven wing self is when people are, are kind of constantly in crisis and it either holds them or me back. I, I tend to, I'm normally, um, and, and wow, the Holy Spirit has worked on me with this. I, I tend to have lots of empathy for people. I love to travel with people through life. And that I think has helped inform me as a real empathetic writer. So it's something that I practice a lot. But when someone is in constant crisis and, and more directly, when it holds them or me back um, and affects me, I find it harder to have compassionate towards their situation. And I, I think uh, that is how I would frame it uh, because I just, I feel like there's more for you and I need to get on with it. And so I need you to come out of your crisis mode so that we mm. can all get on with the better things for ourselves. And <clears throat> there's a positive to that. If it, if it comes out of true compassion and love, like, because eights really can see the gifting that others have and put them on the right path or put them in the right seat of the bus, however you want to phrase it, um, and really spur them on. So it can be a very healthy, um, encouraging part. But like you said, if it comes with shortness and directness and kind of plowing over someone, then it's a whole different ballgame. You know, it's the seven part of your heart can get frenetic and um, a little bit demanding that you want what you want. And that's the eight too. It's kind of these two forces kind of colliding together. Um, well, thanks guys for sharing about the seven wing, but let's jump into the nine wing part of your heart, which. Oh, sure. You just want to talk about nines. Yeah. Cause it's the best part of their heart. <laughs> Hello. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, maybe well, not. Maybe not. Some have said Jesus was a nine. No, so I guess yeah, that's where their Christ likeness. <laughs> Don't even bring that up. Okay. So here's some examples of the type nine that might be activated for you guys. Um, generally, you know, nines desire comfort and peace. Um, they're more compassionate and tender, and they really have a soft spot for others. But when the nine part of your heart gets misaligned, it tries to protect your wounded child by being maybe more aggressive and demanding in a world, but they're actually more passive and accommodating at home. Now, this can be intimidating to others because they never really know what to expect and when the temper might erupt. 
But when your beloved child is leading your nine wing, you're going to be more steady, patient, and you're going to lead others calmly and supportively and with great protection. The aligned type nine wing helps hold your power and strength, kind of hold it in check, but also give it away with lots of grace. Um, Now, in certain circumstances, I'd love to hear how your nine wing shows up both in the aligned and misaligned ways. Wow, Beth, I just love how you said that the aligned wing um, nine holds the power and strength until the discernment is needed. And mm-hmm. I just think that as an eight, when I slow down and I can I can think through something and process instead of react to something, then I see that strength coming through. I can be more compassionate and tender in the moment instead of trying to plow through or fix or feel this great responsibility, like Shanna said earlier, to um, to be this advocate for myself or someone else. So the, the timing of the wing nine is the steadfast, peaceful side that I have to admit that I, I don't have it, an easier time relying on. I tend to go to the seven, but I that nine is just this greatness. Yeah. You know, Electra, one uh, curious question that I have is, does uh, does the nine wing ever show up for you where you uh, sort of disengage? Absolutely, and I I always actually think that's the five side of me because mm-hmm. yeah. I will uh-huh. pull, yeah. pull back and observe and um, and just wait and process and think through something, and so. Absolutely. Um, sometimes I just get tired of people relying on me to take the show or to take responsibility for leading us or, or getting us to somewhere. And so I really will just kind of pull back and, and kind of wait and see, okay, well, what are you people going to do? Like, it doesn't always have to be me. So yeah. Oh, that is so helpful. Yep. Yeah. For sure. I think uh, I'm more of the, you know, i got a stronger nine wing, but after listening to all of this, we've got to be equal, correct? So you've got to have the seven, you've got to have the nine, but uh, definitely uh, flow to the peace side of the nine. And so honestly, like in the church world, being an eight and mm-hmm. wanting to move everything to forward and then having this really strong nine wing, yes, <laughs> it causes <laughs> a lot of tension in myself. And then my beautiful brides right. of Enneagram three, four, and yeah. uh and so try to keep the peace with everything and, and i think this is my thought process here sometimes i want peace for the sake of peace but i have to realize that sometimes chaos really kind of flashes everything out and uh and so really like i've got to kind of back off of that and because of my uh woundedness in growing up and betrayal and abandonment i want peace for the sake of like so for example like i grew up at times with no food in our house and so mm-hmm. if there's no food in the house now just because it's busy we're, we're we're going as a family i start freaking out and i need mm-hmm. peace with a full cabinet of food and uh, mm-hmm. and that's just not the reality you know and so trying to balance that and then go to the beloved child to recognize how i am finding true peace in jesus christ for myself is what uh, really brings freedom yeah, that's that's so helpful. Well, I was just going to say, you know, being a nine with more of an eight wing, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like it's it's this huge conflict inside, you know, like you said, like for me, I want peace and harmony, but I also want to push and I want things to happen, um, but not at the expense of discord. You know, it's like, ah, I just want 
things go well. And there's that great tension, which can be really hard to sort through and how to do it well at times for sure. Well, what I loved about uh, both of your shares there is that you're relating to your wings as resources. Yeah. And now those resources can be harmful to us at times where, you know, let's say a nine week where we may want to disassociate and maybe check out from what we're experiencing, but they're also something that we use and make available in our relationships when we're in various settings so that we're not uh, harming or using them unhealthily. I, I know that for me, Beth and I were talking about our neighborhoods throwing some kind of party at the end of March, and um, I was wondering whether or not we'd want to do it, but I know what it would take inside of me. I call that part of me, El Macordo. Uh, it's my seven wing, and it's where I become the life of the party. Um, you know, I think even Electra, you saw a little bit of that when we were at your house, maybe, where all of a sudden this kind of thoughtful Jeff becomes something like, wow, he can, okay, do his thing and have energy and all of those various things. But it, it's true of both of our wings. Like these are parts, these are resources that we can use in order to for to serve people, yeah. uh, to serve out our sense of calling. When becoming aware of these resources allows us to tap into them when needed. It's just kind of like I tell people, think of yourself like a filet mignon, like, you know, and you're going to cook it. You have these resources like salt and pepper right there next to you as you cook, and you want to season them properly. You don't want to over-season or under-season. That, that's not going to be helpful. That's misaligned. But we want to be aligned. We want to draw out the best qualities of who God created us to be. And our wings are part of that equation. And when our beloved child is online, then the wise, you know, mature cook is going to be able to season it correctly. Whereas if you've got a little four-year-old, they're going to like dump a bunch of pepper when it's not needed or too much salt or something like that. So we want to just make sure ultimately who is driving the bus. Is it our beloved child or is it the wounded child? Great. So we, we ask if you see your wings functioning both healthy and unhealthy ways because there's a tendency in the Enneagram world to turn our wings into subtypes, and that's when you see people introduce them. And uh, Brendan just uh, mentioned this. When the reality is is that we, you know, four type eights, they're eights with a nine wing, with a seven wing, with a two part and a five part. They're all on the bus with us. They're all part of our team. And then there's even an advanced way of looking at this that each of the nine types in some way has served various parts of our hearts. And so, uh, you, you know, for me as a type six, I'm not connected in any way to a type four, but my family be sure was sure to remind me whenever my four part uh, shows up. Well, there are two more parts that we want to give some attention to for the type eights EIP. And those are the paths, those lines and arrows that come out from the type eight, and that's the type two uh, and the type five. Uh, typically, introductory teach, Enneagram teaching presents a strength path and a growth path. We're going to take that idea and we're going to build on it. We're going to take it a bit further because each path can be accessed in healthy and unhealthy ways, depending on whether or not our heart is operating out of the wounded child or the beloved child. Beth, tell us a little bit about the eights two-part, how it can show up in both ways. Yeah, so a misaligned type two part can cause you guys to assume that all your motives and actions are pure with no hidden agendas, and you can believe that you have to earn love and affection from others by helping, supporting, and advising them. And you may hide your own needs and emotions, fearing that they'll threaten your relationships 
or you may take offense when others don't help and care for you in the same way that you've actually supported them. But when your beloved child is leading your two part, you can be more vulnerable and share your tender heart by humbly serving others. You instinctively know how to make others feel special. You guys are so good at this. You help them to feel seen and supported, and you are more warm, responsive, and generous with your time, talents, and social connections. And when you are aware, you will also pause your own pursuits and you will actually tend to your immediate wounds and needs. Now, like Jeff said, introductory Enneagram focuses on the aligned type two part referred to as the growth path. But I'm curious also to hear you guys talk about this misaligned part of type two characteristics. And when does it show up for you guys? It can be a blind spot. And actually, this probably comes out a little bit more at home versus just anywhere else. Not always, but more or less. So what aha moments did you have when I was guys, when I was reading the misaligned part? And then tell us how the uh, beloved part of your type two shows up as well. I had to think, uh, I had to think really hard, I'll be honest, um, about this one, um, Beth and Jeff, because I'm thinking to myself, what, what are my hidden agendas, you know? Um, so this was a stumper for me a little bit. I think there are certainly times, especially as a mom, that, you know, I, I've wanted my kids to think I was a good mom, you know? And so maybe um, some of the ways that I've served has been a task oriented thing because I need to be a good mom right now. Right. Um, for me, service doesn't come naturally to me. It's not really my giftedness in the Mm -hmm. sense of like, you know, mopping a floor. Right. So that's, that's Mm -hmm. as you would think of like a stereotypical service, but I am an incredible encourager and and cheerleader and coach. Like those are my, those are my strengths and my gifts and that's a service. And so um, I think for me, the way that it's come out is just sort of this dog's dogged support for people um, where I believe in you until you believe in yourself kind of a thing. Like I I will, I will advocate for you um, until you can find that, that same strength to believe that it's there. Um, You know, one of the, one of the ways it's come out is ministry strong, um, which is a community that, that I lead for people in ministry. And I watched, you know, my own father um, struggle because he didn't have any sort of support like that. And, and, and so for me, it's, it's like a paying it forward type of a situation where I think that's my best to self to, to come alongside and say, let me help you. Let me love you. Let me serve you. Let me, let me coach you. Let me walk with you. And, um, so I'm probably never going to pick up a mop, but, um, I, I wish I was more that way, but I know that I am, I'm your best cheerleader really. Yeah. And like I said, what might help you and other eights as they're thinking about the misaligned side of Uh, the type two, again, it probably is going to show up the most at home and maybe with a best friend, less likely anywhere else, because these less healthy qualities of uh, the type two for eights um, really kind of make a type eight skin crawl. And so they're like, I'm not showing this anywhere else, but at home, it kind of slips out. And that's why we call it the blind spot um, path. 
And so just kind of keep that in mind as you guys are kind of thinking through, you know, how do I sometimes maybe manipulate or think my motives are pure or I'm looking for affirmation in ways that I would never outside the home? When do these things kind of show up? So that might also help as you guys think through um, the misaligned parts of type two. Um, but I love hearing your healthy part two is the um, the advice giver, the person who's willing to confidently insert themselves on the betterment of someone else. So those are definitely um, incredible things. Basically, it's the it's the perfect example of plowing a path for others, not against others. Is there anyone else I'd like to share about uh, the two part of your heart? I, I find that I tend to hide my own needs and emotions. And so I totally agree with what Lisa said that I'm kind of, I'll believe in you until you believe in you. And Mm. then at the same time, while I'm doing that, I'm going to hide my own needs and and my emotions in that process. And that's where I know that I'm misaligned somehow. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Okay. Let's dive into the last part of your EIP, which is the type five part. So When the type five part of your heart is misaligned, it can cause you to fiercely be independent, building up uh, boundaries to protect yourself from others who might be trying to control you. Now, before moving forward, you may use your intellect to sort through your feelings and desires, and you can grow tired of always being the protective one and become more secretive and isolated to protect yourself from any kind of betrayal or inner depletion. Now, you will feel that you're all alone and that you have to take care of yourself and protect yourself in this place. But when your beloved child is leading the way, your type five part can connect with others, both from an intellectual place, but also a passionate place. And you can combine these abilities to produce original works that profoundly uh, bless the world. Now, you are generous with others in giving them helpful insights and all the information that you've gathered over time, and you're more aware of your inner world, knowing when to relax and recharge before your body experiences complete exhaustion, which is what happens for most eights, or any kind of illness. The basic of the Enneagram focuses on the misaligned five part, referred to as the stress path. But we've been, we're curious about it because we're hearing from eights that oftentimes this eight part of their heart, uh, when they become a little less engaged, but more maybe distance in relationship, taking a break from relationship and observing is actually a healthy part of their uh, internal profile. It's very challenging to get to this part, uh, this part of your heart to trust the beloved child. It's more comfortable in being misaligned. But how have you all recognized your aligned type five part? Can you give us an example of when it's been uh, aligned with the beloved, but maybe misaligned with your wounded child? I can definitely um, share on this. I think um, I got really excited when I was reading this description because in the past, I've always thought as the type five part of me as like procrastinating Patty. Like I, it, I go to when I'm scared uh, to move forward in something and I just become this researcher or, you know, it's what I go to when I I do get that feeling of, man, I'm just tired of being the one running the ship around here, you know? And so I do, I back out and I tend to go dive into learning something new or reading nonstop or researching nonstop. But when you talked about this merger of like, intellect and passion, it just, 
it lit me up because it made me think about what I do in my work. I serve a very advisory role to the business owner and I serve a very mentor role to the community manager that I'm working alongside. And it's blending this 10 years of experience, all the uh, knowledge that I've gained and all my nerdiness research around community, but then this deep passion for for seeing these business owners create impact in the world and these community managers find balance in a in a role that's typically pretty imbalanced and leads to burnout. And so it's just this beautiful merger when you were explaining that blend of intellect and and passion. I was like, yes, yes, yes. That's how I want to show up for the people that I serve. And and also in my home, I think in, I I often default to um, to knowledge decisions, head-based decisions. Mm-hmm. And my, my husband wants me to bring more of the heart into the decision. And he's bringing that to the table. And I'm just like, well, no, no, no. What are the facts? Like, have you researched this yet? <laughs> if you just research it, then we can make a decision. So I think I desire to be able to bring more of that beloved five self into decisions around the home and how I show up in that as well. You know, Shane, it's interesting because I resonate that with that quite a bit whenever I access my five wing as a six. Um, whenever I am reading and researching, I'm doing it towards an end, not just for the sake of knowledge, but there's some energy behind it. It's It's very directed energy, and I can see how it's not just eights researching just to accumulate resources for no reason. It it may be just because there there's some interest and some passion, but maybe they want to have a more logical approach to it, a more insightful approach to it. Well, I think that's why this is so important to be discussing because because the basics of the Enneagram, people really just focus in on, oh, well, five is my stress path. It's bad. It's like, no, like, it's good, too. Let's <laughs> let's explore the great parts of your type five part and how it shows up and blesses others. Uh, what about the rest of you guys? What- well, I was going to say, Shanna, it wasn't, I, I think it was your husband who was talking about similar to my experience where, I can't remember if it was you or not, but I, like the amount of Amazon books that show up at my doorstep like that is a sign that there may be a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I I do tend to uh, order a lot of books and have a lot of unread books on my bookshelf for that reason. But um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> she, she's caught. Yeah. No, yeah, but to me, I think as an eight, it also comes back to this wanting to be right and wanting to be confident in my decision. And Mm -hmm. so if I'm Mm -hmm. not confident in something or if I don't feel like I know enough to, oh gosh, I hate to say it, but it's true, but to be, feel like I'm the best at something, I I do when I'm living in that wounded child self, I kind of default to like, well, I don't know enough. So then I need to know more in order to be the best or be confident in this. When if I were really looking at myself from a gospel-centered perspective, I would realize like there is no need to find validation in being right or wrong. There is no right or wrong decision here. Like I just need to be spirit-led versus feeling like I can find the right answer if I just research enough letting you know the holy spirit guide me and how i move is is what i would really hope for myself right that's so good you know i I was thinking as we were talking about this you know the eight has such intensity and can like literally burn ourselves out and i think what i've seen jeff and beth as you're unpacking this is that the five really helps me be a governor and so i know Mm. hey when i'm starting to go into my five like governor 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 
you know, you're going too much. And instead of swinging all the way to unhealth, so for me, I just, I pull away, correct? I become intellectual. I just, as you were all saying, dive into something, overanalyze everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm, I'm realizing, hey, halfway through, the governor five is going off. I'm moving towards my wounded child. I need to move into the beloved. I need to, you know, kind of start taking care of myself, rest a little bit, bit more. For me as a Christ follower, you know, sit in uh, time with, with my father, you know, uh, intimacy with my family, those type of things. And so for me, uh, the, the governor five kind of, doot, 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 you know, you got to do something, Brennan, because honestly, I can run hard and, and I love it. And it's a way that I'm creative, but, but it can get me in trouble, big trouble. Yeah. Yeah, and you know when when I coach eights, I usually want them to recognize it's like a dimmer switch on a, on the light, you know, socket. Is eights are usually at a hundred percent all the time, and they're brilliant. They're they're bright. They they have passion. Like they like they clear the way by letting us see everything. But if you have a light at a hundred percent all the time, it's going to burn out more quickly. And so what I tell eights is like, bring it down to 80. Like it's still like for us nines, we're at like 40. <laughs> we need to like dial it up a little bit here, you know, but, but if you dial it down just to even 80, 75, it's still going to be pretty darn bright for everyone to see and to be taken care of, but you're not burning yourselves out. And I think that's where the five can come in and really assist you guys is the five will let you know how much to extend, extend yourself and expend of yourself and how much you need to conserve and save. Well, er earlier I mentioned the idea that um, these parts of us serve as a team. They serve as a family. You can think of people uh, rowing in a boat that each has a role and they all need to be rowing in rhythm with one another. So we're, you know, we're not asking anyone to go out and start introducing themselves. I'm an eight with a seven wing, with a nine wing, and also with a two part and a five part because, well, one, let's just be honest. Anytime we refer to ourselves as numbers, people <laughs> think we're weird anyway. Um, I mean, I'm definitely a seven. I'm not a six on the attractiveness scale. So I, I take offense to that kind of language anyway. But all of these parts are inside of us, and they're all trying to help us. But often they can make things worse when they're misaligned. But now that we know all of our parts, we understand the role of the Spirit of God in us as beloved children. It's helpful to visualize these parts as parts as kids on a bus. Beth, why don't you explain why we use that as a metaphor? Yeah, so when your beloved child is driving the bus at the helm, all your parts are aligned with the truth of the gospel, and they can be in the back, in their seats, relaxing, resting, because they're trusting this driver who's mature and and well-equipped. But when the beloved child decides to disengage and go to the back and take a nap, well, the wounded child and all the other parts are going to be in a full panic, right? Like, the bus is going, And so what you're going to find is they're going to use misaligned strategies and grab the steering wheel of life, and they're going to just try their best to help you to navigate this bus on the road somehow. But they're young, they're ill-equipped, they don't have the wisdom and the leadership that the beloved child does. So we need the beloved child to awaken, to get back into the driver's seat and lead all the parts back towards gospel truth. But the great news is that your wounded child and the parts, when they feel seen, heard, and uh, they feel loved by the beloved child, you're, what you're going to find is that they're going to trust it more and more. 
And it's here where your whole heart can experience true contentment, satisfaction, because a beloved child is guiding you and all your parts back into the arms of Jesus every time. Well, it's super funny, quick story. So at the end of college, I was a bus driver. Um, it was a uh, small, it was for uh, English as a second language, and so I'd pick everyone up or in Lawrence, Kansas, and I'd take them to one school. It was beautiful. Well, every once in a while, I'd take a, another job at another school district, like on spring break or whatever, and I remember driving a big bus, like the really long ones, and the kids were going crazy in the back. Normally, I had an assistant with me. And they opened the back door as I was going around a turn. Mm-hmm. And as I was looking back to see if anybody had fallen out, <laughs> my mirror started hitting the turn signs on the side of the couch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> to man. give you a, vis- a visual of what this could look like, <laughs> of a misaligned driver, that would have been it because the various parts were looking at this like, we're going to die. <laughs> Other parts of me were like, this is exciting. Who's driving the bus? Yes. (laughs) Yikes. Well, in our last episode, we shared some practical ways to integrate the Enneagram internal profile into our daily lives. And for all the types, getting to know your wounded child, understanding its story, understanding its pain, and the other parts of your heart are crucial. We suggest naming them or becoming familiar, adding just an adjective to your name could be a way of quickly accessing these parts whenever you start to feel similar feelings, whether they be physiological in your body or whether they be emotional. We want to acknowledge their presence. We want to acknowledge their history. You can use a variety of ways to name your parts. Uh, you can choose names based upon feelings, like I said before, or maybe it's just an image that comes to mind that you can name that part. It could be a character in a movie. I mean, mm-hmm. Uh, yikes. Uh, what was the Disney movie that spent so much time talking about? Inside Out. Inside Out. Yeah, you can name your parts according to Inside Out. That'd be super fun and helpful. Um, so I, I am curious if you all have thought of any names or if you'd be will- comfortable sharing uh, one with us. No worries if you don't want to share or don't have any yet. The names that we give our parts can be quite personal. Has anyone started to give names to these parts? Well, Jeff, uh, I I have to say, like a, a true eight enneagram, I'm going to have to pass on this because um, this is not this is not my cup of tea. I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> That's what most of our eights say. <laughs> I um I I just yeah I can't bring myself to do it. Um, for one thing, I don't think I could keep track of all the names. I have a hard enough time keeping track of my own name, my kids' names. My husband's name, and I'm afraid I would call someone else by the wrong name. So, um, yeah. Well, and a lot of people, they'll just call it their two part or their five part, or, you know, when my seven shows up. So, that is actually the easiest and most accessible way to do it. And here's the thing, Lisa, is that what, and and that's a, a common response initially, but I would suspect that your children and your spouse are already doing this. And they're doing it by nicknames. So you mentioned earlier that you're kind of the weird mom (laughs) or the fun mom. And I bet even your husband, that when you wake up in the morning and maybe you're in a different mindset than what you normally are, like he can tell what Lisa has shown up for the day. Well, I will say when we go to Disney World, they do call me vacation. He will call me vacation Lisa. So there you go. (laughs) 
There you there, go. There, there yeah. we go. See, it's already it's happening. happening. And, uh, you know, there there's, can be a mental block to understanding and naming these parts of us, but actually they become very helpful because vacation mom is very endearing to them. Yeah. Now, there there may be a little hint of a criticism, like, I wish we saw a vacation mom every once in a while whenever we're at home, mm-hmm. not just on vacation. <laughs> but the reality is that our, our children are able to name how they are experiencing us that gives us the self-awareness that there's something in us that's shifted that can be both healthy at times. And then other times it can be like, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't set off explosive mom uh, because that ends up hurting the whole family or whatever the term may be. Whenever, Mm -hmm. you know, one of us may get big, whenever we're parenting or trying to get all the uh, hoodlums under Mm -hmm. control. Uh, but Brennan, you had mentioned the same thing that, uh, or at least you were nodding mm-hmm. in agreement, understanding this. Yeah. So, uh, first thought was, uh, my nicknames are probably not appropriate for a public <laughs> podcast forum. Uh, and then I was like, uh, let me get more pastoral because I am a pastor. So, uh, let's put that aside. Um, but so, uh, yes. the eight, seven, I think, uh, I can, uh, if I'm very task focused and there's a lot of chaos i can become the drill sergeant and so my wife will go hey you're being a little drill sergeant ish here with the family because in my mind i'm trying to manage everything you know that's going on in my life and so to be a drill sergeant and so that, that's one of the appropriate yeah. terms i can probably use here but yeah that, oh that's Jeff, awesome Jeff, great coaching i like it thank you <laughs> but it's interesting to think about how drill sergeant how was that used as a kid to cope with the pain you were experiencing oh, yeah. Like you needed him at times. Like this was not an emotional issue. This is a survival issue. And we have to make real time decisions because life is at risk. 100%. And so it's understandable why there would be this part of your heart. But I like whenever you were uh, pastoring through COVID, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. or, or past, um, yeah. or even 9 11. I yeah. mean, it. We needed leaders and leaders yeah. who were going to be clear about what was happening. And so I'm sure that part of you comes online where it's actually received and uh, used yeah. in beneficial ways. So it, yeah. um, once again, it's both healthy and yeah. unhealthy ways. Well, Electra, Shanna, have, have you been able to identify at least one of your parts and maybe give a, a name or adjective to it? I did end up uh, naming one because I felt like I needed to be a good student uh, <laughs> and deliver, <laughs> oh, deliver awesome. something in that regard. But the more I hear you talk about it, the more I see it r- really in service to my husband, who oftentimes mm. wants to call out something in me that he sees is living in that wounded child and doesn't quite have the words um, or, or even know how I'm going to receive being called out. And so um, if we can come to an agreement, right. On, on what that word is or what that term is, I think that that's helpful for both of us. And uh, I was thinking particularly about the part five Um, and there's this movie called she's all that from back in the day with Freddie Prince jr. And it's about this, you know, isolated artist girl who's really lonely. And as you get to know her, you recognize that she just has a lot of emotions that she is not, wanting to share. And she kind of ends up blossoming into this leader as she starts to share those emotions and not be so closed off. And so that's, that's kind of what I thought about was like lonely Laney is my five who's 
isolating myself, keeping my emotions to myself and tends to come out when I'm talking to my husband, I have no friends, nobody calls me anymore or whatever it might be. Um, and then the leader Laney is the one who really is leveraging that intellect and passion to pour in and mentor people and making sure that I recharge because you can't, you can't lead if you're in burnout. Yeah. Um, so that's lonely Laney and leader Laney are the things that I thought about. Yes. Oh, that is so awesome. And that's so great because with our spouse, what we want to do is make sure that our spouses, us and them, not use these terms as a sword to harm, but to get clarity, to ask, you know, how can I come alongside you? This is what I'm seeing. And that's going to be really important. Um, Alexa, did you want to share anything? I, I just think relying, I go to my seven wing and I go to Funko land and I want everything to be fun. And instead of maybe dealing with what's present in the moment, I, I just go to fun land. So that would be my yeah. seven wing, just fun, fun, fun. Let's go. <laughs> go yeah. fun land. How, do, how does your family respond to fun land? Uh, they like it for short amounts of time and then it's just <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. fun. I, I could I could see the expression on your husband's face right now. <laughs> As a nine, he just wants me to calm down. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so fun. Well, we want to thank all of our guests for, and uh, for those of you who have joined us uh, via video or audio, we're so thankful that you're here. We learned so much about type eights today. And if you have a type eight in your life or you know people who love them, please be sure to share this episode with them. And we, we, what we did today with our eights is Enneagram coaching. And we'd love for you to personally experience this. You can do that by connecting with one of our certified Enneagram coaches. Uh, they can help you move your Enneagram knowledge from your head into your hearts and into true transformation, both personally and relationally. You can find a coach that best fits you at myenneagramcoach.com. And to learn more uh, about your EIP, you can pre-order our new book, More Than Your Number. Yeah, we're so excited about that. Okay, well, join us next time as we're going to dive into Type 9's EIP. Again, we're so excited to have you on our podcast listening, but we're also on YouTube. So be sure to check out this video and like it and then subscribe to our channel. And be sure to share all of these episodes with your family and friends as we walk through Enneagram internal profile for all nine types. And as always, please remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us.